We're going to go to the book of Judges. We're actually going to cover some territory that we have, to a degree, covered before. Um, uh, we did, uh, years, years ago, um, a study through the Judges um, of Israel. And, uh, and I thought, it, he, literally... It's weird to say you have a favorite because there's a lot of judges in the in the Old Testament, and it's hard to pick one that you like over the rest of them. And um, but I, I have a favorite, and uh, and his his name is Shamgar. Um, and and you may probably be familiar with Shamgar. You may not be familiar with Shamgar, but he's my favorite of the judges that we had. He's he's the third um, of the judges mentioned in this book. And um, and he, he follows he follows a really uh, cool story uh, when when Ehud killed Eglon and you know stabbed him with a dagger and his he was so overweight that his his body overtook the hilt of the dagger and he couldn't get the dagger back out so he left it that's disgusting um, but but that's I mean the story of, of Ehud is kind of a cool story. In the judges, and then you get to Shamgar, and he, the dude, gets one verse, and then we move on to the song of Deborah and Barak, where there's a song written about the exploits of Deborah and of Barak, and um, there's one verse in that song that mentions that mentions Shamgar, and that's it. Uh, he doesn't get a whole lot mentioned about him. So let's go ahead and read all that the Bible has to say about Mr. Shamgar in Judges chapter three. At the very end of the chapter, verse 31, it says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, and which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Now let's go to Judges 5. We're going to go ahead and read Judges 5 and get, uh, get kind of a... Get, get kind of an overview of what life was like in Israel at the time of Shamgar. So in Judges chapter 5, verse 6, it says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose, a mother in Israel. And one more verse, it says, They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? Now that gives us a little bit more context to our story with Shamgar. Um, believe it or not, the little bit of scripture that we have, it gives us a little bit more context on, on, on Shamgar and his, uh, it's one exploit is mentioned here, but his exploits because he continued to judge and he continued to uh, serve even after this one major feat uh, with the Philistines. Um, so uh, let's, let's pray after we've read the Bible, let's pray and then we will uh, begin taking this uh, apart and getting something from it. Lord, thank you for your word and pray that you would bless the reading of it and that as a result of, of hearing and heeding your word that we change um, forever for the better. Um, because of your spirits moving in Christ's name. Amen. So Shamgar, <clears throat> I, 
I bet you if we did a pop quiz right now and said, close your Bibles, you could tell me everything about Shamgar that you know. Like his, his dad's name, you could say who he killed, how many of them he killed, what he used to kill them. And I'm a little bit bummed right now <clears throat> because I have an ox code at my house crafted with these two hands from things that I bought. So I just basically assembled and spray painted it. Um, but I, I, I made, I made an ox code. It's a little bit of an exaggerated version of an ox code for, because of how far away sometimes people are from it when it's being held up. But an ox code um, uh, is, is uh, meant to goad oxen. Yeah. And, and it's got a pointed end on it. We'll talk more about it in a minute, but it's got a pointed end on it. And when you poke the ox, it goad. That's how you can remember an ox goad. It also had a hook on it. And when you uh, hooked the ox from the front with the ox goad, it stopped goading. And uh, I don't know, I could, it stopped. So it's an ox goad and an ox stopped. Um, but I, I, I need to quit. I need, just need to, I should have quit before I started there, I think. Um, so so it, it mentions, it mentions in, in chapter 3, it tells us of the exploits of Shamgar as it would when it tells the exploits of the different judges as it goes through um, in order. But uh, Deborah, the song here, um, the song here, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, the travelers walked through byways, the inhabitants of the villages ceased. Um, and then it says they chose new gods, then was war in the gates. And, and then it asks the question, was there, was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel. If 40,000 men walk by you, would you see a sword or a shield? The question is saying that there were no swords, there were no shields, we did not have weapons for warfare. Like, we're gonna fight against our enemies, with what? With what? And that's, that's what the situation was in Israel. That explains, in verse seven, the inhabitants of the villages ceasing. They, they, they moved back and they hid in the hills and. And, and life wasn't good at the time of Shamgar when he, when he came on the scene. Um, and, and when the people, when it says that the highways were unoccupied, it's, it's the main passageways, the main thoroughfares that people would use to travel throughout the land were unoccupied. They could not use them whatsoever. They were too dangerous. The, the soldiers were there. They were fighting against Midian. They were also fighting against the Philistines, depending on what part of the country you were in. And it was just dangerous and life was bad and you couldn't travel very well. So they used what were called byways, dangerous mountain passageways that you kind of had to forge ahead and find on your own. And you didn't have MapQuest, which is dating. Um, you didn't have Google Maps uh, or, or Trail Buddy or any other system that would tell you how to get. You just had to find your way and they were using byways. Um, it, food was scarce. Um, the, the Philistines, their, their favorite tactic when it came to, to um, subduing somebody, they didn't necessarily want to subdue you and, and kill you and leave you uh, and take your land and everything. They would let you go and plant your property or your, uh, your fields let you plant your vineyards, let you plant your corn, let you plant your wheat, and let you just go ahead and work and cultivate the land. And then when harvest time came, it was like their microwave had dinged. 
You know, the older sibling who's like the microwave ding, don't know whose food this is, but I'm taking it. It smells good. They would come in at harvest time and the, 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 the Israelites had nothing to do about it. Like they just kind of backed off and hopefully the Philistines left something behind for us. And they would, they would leave a little bit behind. So they had something to eat, just a little something to eat to subsist on. And, and that's how their lives were. They were just, they fled. They just fled. Every single time a Philistine would come up, every time a garrison would show up on your property, you'd run away and you'd hide. And that was the life, that's the life of the Israelites. And, and that's the days in which Shamgar judged Israel. It's not the peak of prosperity. It's not a great, if I got to choose when I became a judge in Israel, it wouldn't be this time. I would kind of want to be at a time when they were a little bit more prosperous, maybe before they hit the very bottom of the cycle that they were on of, you know, following God and then, and then turning away from God and then serving other gods and then God bringing them back because they called on God. Like I'd, I'd rather catch it on the upswing of that rather than right at the very bottom, which is where, which is where we are. Um, but, but, Shamgar kind of is, is nestled between two really popular judges. And if you were reading through the book of Judges, that verse probably would not catch your attention very much. The very end of verse, uh, chapter 3, and if you count chapters as you read your Bible, you're like, all right, I finished chapter 3, and let's mark it off and move on. Or I was going to be reading 3 and 4 or whatever, and so you continue into chapter 4, and you're like, oh, oh, I know who this is. Let's go ahead and read about them too. Deborah, Barak, I know them. And you kind of, it's easy to miss him because he's just, he's, he's between these two, wedged in between two really popular judges. Um, and it, even though the, the story of Eglon is gross, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it's kind of a cool story to read. Um, and then you get to Shamgar. Um, but, but, but just imagine um, 600 Philistines and the dude killed them all with a with an ox goad. A battle is battle is 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 gory. Battle is maybe cool depending on who you are uh, and what you want to see. But this this battle, the circumstances surrounding this battle, are a, a little unorthodox, if you will. Israel doesn't have shields. They don't have swords. They don't have weapons really to fight with. And he's out in the field. And, and we have to understand this. We'll get to a little more detail on this, but we have to understand Shamgar wasn't going out necessarily to fight against Philistines. Shamgar, as far as we can tell, because he has an ox good in his hand, probably has an ox or a team of oxen in front of him with a yoke on him. And he's probably got a plow in the ground. He's probably working his field. He's probably out there doing what any man would do who has a piece of property that needs to plant so that his family can eat. So he's, he's probably out there working his field. He's not out there searching for a fight. He's not, he's not necessarily out there looking for glory. He's out there just doing the work that he knows he needs to do because his family's going to need to eat at harvest time and they won't if he doesn't plow this field and plant. And so it, there, there's, I think there's more to the story when we read the, the Shamgar story. There's more to the story that God saw not fit for us to see. We, we don't have any more than this. And so he didn't see fit. It, it, read the verse again. It's a, chapter 3, verse 31. After him was Shamgar, son of Anath, who slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox code. And then there's a colon. And then it says, and he also delivered Israel. This, this battle, this battle wasn't it. It's, it's probably of all the different things he did, probably the, the, the one really cool highlight Let's look at this one's great feat that he did, but this ain't all he did. It says, and he also delivered Israel. 
Um, Shamgar, Shamgar kills 600 Philistines, but he didn't stop. He kept, he kept, he kept serving. He kept working. He kept doing. And the result of his faithfulness to what God had called him into doing was that the, the deliverance of Israel um, from their oppression. <clears throat> um, I, I want to look at uh, some lessons we can get out of Shamgar, if I can steal that concept from our pastor, some lessons we can get from him, and, and just go through a few of them. The, fir- the, first one, the first one is that nobody is exempt from serving. Nobody is exempt from serving. Um, and and for, if we read through here, now if we read chapter 5, he's named in the song of Deborah. She, she, she writes of the exploits that she did when she came alongside Barak, who was too fearful to serve on his own and to lead on his own. So she came and God said, she's going to receive the glory. He said, I don't care. Let her come. And so she's writing this song of those exploits and he's named in the song. But this is Shamgar before the song was written. There's nothing about this guy that stands out to us that's spectacular. Nothing. We, uh, who's his dad? I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. Nobody knows who that guy is. It, it's telling us may, maybe there's more than one Shamgar in the area, and so he's the son of Anath, and, and this guy is the other Shamgar, the, the son of Billy Bob. And so we have two different, like, it just tells us who he is because so, that's, that's what they did instead of last name. So now we have who his dad is, but that's it. It doesn't say anything else of note about him. He has no, he has no bloodline to, to call back on. He has no pedigree to speak of. In fact, he's probably, he's probably not a wealthy man. He's farming. He's, he's working the field. So he, he's just out there doing what he's always done and planning. It doesn't say that there's a family wealth thing or a tribe that he's a part of or anything to really call attention to him. And, and it, it really does teach us this valuable lesson for us if he wasn't exempt from serving God and he was busy, he was, he was working, doing what he needed to do. And, and when he was called into action, he didn't question, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't say, well, but, but wait a second, I'm already busy. Nobody, none in, none in this room is, is, is exempt from serving. Um, and I want to look at first Peter, uh, real quickly. Let's go to the book of first Peter chapter four. First Peter four, <clears throat> verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice that word there. If any man speak, this, that's, that's preaching. If, if you're going to speak the truths of God, let you, you better speak the truths of God. If God's given you the ability or he's given you the, the platform to be able to speak, then you ought to speak the truths of God's word. So make sure you stay true to it. And then he goes in and he says, if you're not the person speaking and given a platform to speak, let's catch up with them. He says, if any man minister. 
What's minister mean? Anybody know? Serve. How about that? He's saying, if you're not speaking, you're serving. And honestly, if you're speaking, you ought to be serving too. And if you're serving and you're somebody who's at a job site or you're, 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 you're in your family and you're able to, you ought to speak the oracles of God to them. You ought to be proclaiming the gospel to people. So what he's saying to us is it, this, all, the, the, the end result, the resulting thing here is that God re- received the honor and glory. It, it, God should receive honor and glory through these efforts. But first Peter is saying, and, and Shamgar kind of lived it out for us. The lesson we can get from it is none of us are exempt from service. None of us. He says, if you've received the gift, we've all received the gift. We've all received the grace of God. We've all received the Holy Spirit himself and the Holy Spirit himself brings with him fruit and he gifts us. So we've all got that. So if, we've, if, if it's kind of like a rhetorical thing, have you gotten it? Of course you have. So none of us are exempt from serving. None of us are exempt from serving God. Um, and and, and there, there's, nothing that, there's, nothing, there's nothing that we can use as an excuse. Um, for why we shouldn't um, serve, because we should. The second thing, the second thing is, is if, if you're, if, okay, I'm not exempt from service. Awesome. Now what? Start where you're at. Just wherever you are right now. I don't mean sitting at the table. Well, maybe sitting at the table where you are, but start where you are. Um, start, start where you are. Shamgar, Shamgar if, 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 we, if we picture him going out into the field, He's, I do picture him with, with two oxen in front of him and he's goading them along and there's a plow and he's, 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 he's working a field. And so if there's a good time for the Philistines to come and attack, this isn't it. If there's a good time, I don't know that there's ever really a good time for the Philistines to attack, but this is not a good time for him. Um, he's in the field and in the moment He's called into action. What am I going to do? Am I going to turn and flee like every other time people just turn and flee and run? Or am I going to do what I know I should do? Am I going to stand my ground here? Am I going to stop giving up ground to the enemy? Am I going to stop? And he, in that moment where he was, he didn't go prepare himself. He didn't go back and give himself a pep talk. He didn't go and see if he could find a sword at his house. Maybe, he, maybe there's one somewhere in a pile of, of metal or something. No, he, he, he said, all right, in this moment, I'm compelled into the service of the Lord. I'm busy. My day's already planned out. I probably have a bag of seeds right here because I'm throwing the seeds in as I'm going and I'm kicking it over with my foot. I don't know how you plant seed in that day, but, but maybe that sounds like a good method. Maybe we should call them and tell them, hey, you can plant better if you just drop the seed while you're plowing and do that. Just, just a little rabbit kick, you know, Does, would that work? Maybe not. You're staring at me like I've grown a third eyeball. Uh, have I grown a third eyeball? I have not. So at this point, what... When God calls us, and, he, and, and I just want to be clear for everybody in this room, everybody in here is called to serve. Every one of us have been called to serve him in some capacity, in some way. When you hear, I should be serving the Lord, something's coming to mind. Something comes to your mind. I'm not trying to be spooky and prophetic here. I'm just saying, God wants you to serve him in some way, shape, or form. In your mind, you're like, yeah, he sure does. And here's a way I could do that. He's, he has been telling me he wants me to serve in this capacity. And I'd like, to, I need to be more surrendered to that. I, I tell you what, give me a few months. I'll research it. Give me a few days to get better in my Bible reading. Give me, give me some time to prepare myself so that I can serve him. No, no, no. Where you are right now, if he's calling you to serve him, that's where he wants you to start. 
he doesn't want you to go and then fix all these problems because he can't you no, he can use you start just just start where you are um i love the story of philip the evangelist which we're, we're not going to read through but in, in acts chapter 8 if you want to look at that story sometime in acts 8 Philip the evangelist has, has scattered from Jerusalem. Everybody scattered from Jerusalem. Stephen just got stoned to death. The first time in the church that somebody has been killed for believing in Jesus Christ. So things got serious real quick. So Philip and all the rest of the church have just exploded in all directions. And Philip goes to Samaria. And while he's in Samaria, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go down to the desert. He says, I want you to go down uh, on the way through Gaza um, uh, towards towards Gaza, I'm sorry, the road to, towards Gaza, and it says, which is desert. Literally, he doesn't tell him why. He just says, Philip, you're in Samaria right now, and, and if you know where Samaria is, it's way up here. You know where Gaza is? Way down here, at the other end of Israel. That's a long, long, long walk. And so Philip says, all right, and he goes to Gaza. He goes to the desert. Where are you going, Philip? I'm going to the middle of the desert. Uh, why? God told me to. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Philip starts on that road and he sees ahead of him as he's heading down the road to Gaza, he sees a chariot. And on the chariot is a man that's known today as the Ethiopian eunuch. He is, he is the, the treasurer of the household of the queen of Ethiopia. And an angel says, go to that chariot. So he runs to the chariot and the guy happens to be reading the book of Isaiah about Jesus, about the lamb who was silent before the shears. And and he said, do you know what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I know unless a man told me? Now Philip knows why he was told to go to the desert. Now Philip knows why he was told to run to the chariot. Philip would never have experienced that. The Ethiopian eunuch would have gone on to Ethiopia, lost, and, and on his way to hell um, if Philip hadn't have just started where he was. Well, God, I, I got to get some new sandals. No, just go to Gaza. God, I'm here in Samaria. People are receiving the Holy Spirit in Samaria, and there are amazing things going on here. God, I, I, I'm in the midst of ministering. I want you to go to the desert, Philip. Stop and go. Um, you know where Philip ended up serving, by the way? Where he ended up living for the rest of his life? You, you heard it in a message recently. Caesarea Maritima. On the other side of the country again. But God wanted him in Gaza because he had a purpose for him in Gaza. Start where you are. It doesn't matter when God calls you, go. God called Abraham, Ur of the Chaldees, from where he was. Joseph, the most unlikely places, starts in a pit. He goes into the master's house and Potiphar's house, and he's growing in popularity, if you will, and, and trust with Potiphar. And then it seems that he's just fallen, so he goes to a prison. Uh, Joseph shouldn't serve in prison, right? No. He still served in prison. Didn't matter where Joseph was. And in the very presence of Pharaoh himself, serving still where he was. When God calls us, we just got to go. When God, when God tells us he wants us to serve, we got to stop thinking about, in some cases, physical locations. But, but really the thing that holds us back, because I could be guilty of this myself, is it's not a physical location. It's just I don't feel like I'm ready for that yet. I, I just... I'm. I'm not ready for that level of commitment. Well, what level of commitment are you ready for? You've already surrendered your life to him. You've already asked him to save you and take you to heaven. Is that not already a commitment you're in? What level of commitment do you really want here? Are we just, 
this is a little bit awkward now when we talk about it. Jesus is like, okay, so I've given my life for you. I'm going to take you to heaven for all of eternity. I'm forgiving you of all sin, but you don't want to work for me. That's a little awkward. You imagine having supper with him every night and he's like, hey, so you remember, I still want you to serve me. And you're like, I'll get to that. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. You should know of all people. I'm not ready yet. Well, I don't think I'd have called you if I didn't think you were ready. Like, just think about the conversation, how awkward it would be if he physically came down here and said to us, I want you to serve me. How awkward would the conversation end up being? Um, do not wait until you're in a good place to surrender your life to him. If he has called you, he will equip you. If he has, can I rhyme for a second? If he guides you, he will provide for you. He will just be, just be willing wherever you are, wherever you are is a good place to start. Next is, is you got to use what you've got. Now, not all of you can have the good looks that I have. And Bryson woke up and gave me a very mean look. Um, uh, I, no, Shamgar is confronted by a garrison of trained soldiers. Now, the Israelites did not have metallurgy, and the Philistines really didn't before they took all the blacksmiths from Israel. They've got, they've got like good weapons. The Philistines do. They got good weapons of war. And they're coming up against the children of Israel, and it's not a fair fight. What a difference for Shamgar. What a difference a sword and shield would have made. What a difference. Now, he's called into a battle conflict. He is not equipped with battle equipment. Now, a, 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 an ox goad, it, it consists of a pole, usually six to eight feet long. On the end of it is a pike, a spike that sticks up. And it d depends on how ornate they wanted to get, but it's just a, a piece of pointed metal at the end. And then also from the end would be a hook that came out. And the point was to poke and goad the ox along. The hook was to grab at the front of it. And you didn't have to yank back with the hook just to tap and the oxen would stop. And you did it with the lead oxen, uh, the lead ox. And then the follower would stop too. And so that's what an ox goat essentially was. He didn't have to hold it out. He could kind of hold it on the yoke and he'd pull it back and tap. I mean, he just, it was a, it was a very practical tool. And then on the other end of the ox goad, you've got the, the business end up here with the point and the hook. On the other end was a blade, just a, just a flat piece of metal, not necessarily a sharpened blade for an axe. And the metal, the, little, the blade, almost like a, a ducktail blade, would be used to just, they would just take the goad and they would scrape the plow. Because a plow would get gummed up sometimes. They would use it to scrape it on and clean the plow. It's a practical farming tool. It's, it, it makes perfect sense for what he was using it for. Perfect. It's exactly what it was used for. Swinging it around long enough to kill 600 men. If he killed one a second, that's 600 seconds. Can somebody help me? Five minutes? 55? 10 minutes. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. 10 minutes. I don't think he killed one a second, though. I think it might have taken him a little bit longer. I don't know how long it kills, it takes to kill a person, and I'm not going to ask any of you if you know, but with an ox goat especially, that would make it a whole different service tonight uh, while we held you without your knowledge while we called the police. But um, 
but, but he's got this ox goad and he's out there working his field. The, the man is just working his field with his farming equipment and he sees the garrison of Philistines and he knows I'm done running. I'm done giving up. And this is the big thing on this story is I'm done giving up this land to the Philistines. I am tired of allowing the enemy yet again to take over something that's mine. I'm tired of allowing the enemy to make me run and cower and hide. God is calling me to do something. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up ground anymore. I'm not going to give up my land anymore. They're, we're done today. And now I don't think the Philistines knew that it was over that day, but they did really quickly figure out, I don't think this guy's going to let us have his land, but we should keep trying until all 600 of them were dead. Well, that's a pretty amazing feat. That's all he had, though. That's all he had. Now, Shamgar would have loved to have had a sword. He would have loved to have had a spear. He would have loved to have had something that was actually intended. I mean, an ox goat is not balanced and weighted like a spear would be. A spear would actually be balanced and would be made to swing and to throw. And it, it was intended for use for battle, not an ox goat. It's just not made for this. Now, I wish I had my ox goad with me. I left it in the garage at the house, and it does, it, it is a conversation starter sometimes. Um, what is that? Um, so, uh, but it's, it's, it, it's just unwieldy. It's just not a thing that's used often for this purpose. I mean, here's the application just practically for us. When Shamgar was called into service, when he was, when, when he felt like God, God had said, it's, it's, it's time. It's time for Shamgar to stand up and judge. He used the resources and the tools that he had. He didn't go to a neighbor. He didn't go try to catch somebody else to get them to do it for them. And we see a perfect example of that with the next judge, don't we? Barak, I want you to be a judge. Nah, God, I, Deborah comes with me. If she goes with you, she's going to get the glory. Doesn't matter. Like, Shamgar didn't do that. Let me go get my next door neighbor. By the way, aren't you glad Shamgar's not your neighbor? Or like, I'm not your neighbor. I'd go get you. Can you help me kill these Philistines? Shamgar didn't do that. He, he used the resources and the tools that were available to him at that time to serve God. Because when God calls us, he knows what resources and tools we have at our disposal. Does he not? Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see him, you'll see him fighting against the Philistines and being very effective with something that's not necessarily intended for that purpose. Um, and, and I don't think just any farmer would have been able to do this. This is a particular time when God called him to service and he was able to do it with something not normally used for that. God's not impressed with you. He's not dep depressed about you, your inabilities, your abilities. All he wants is availability, which is so catchy, but kitschy. But that's what he's looking for. Are you willing to be available for him to use you? Don't worry about the resources. Don't worry about the tools. He, will, he, he, he can actually handle it, I promise. Um, Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. Moses was slow of speech. I love the quote from Fiddler on the Roof. It's one of my favorites when, when Tevye tries to quote from different people and a guy says, that was Moses. And he quotes again, he says, that was Moses also. And he said, for a man with a slow tongue and a, with a, with, yeah, with a slow tongue, he sure talked a lot. Um, but Mo Moses isn't eloquent. And he says that, I'm not an eloquent man. I, I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue, God. Like, like 
excuse after excuse. God, God asked Moses this question. Moses, what do you got in your hand? A rod. Throw the rod down. Now you have a snake. Pick the snake up. Now you got a rod again. Moses, give me another excuse, please. Like, what do you have in your hand? God uses, God uses Moses in that way. David had a sling and five smooth stones against a giant. A verified, bona fide, nine foot, eight inch giant. Um, uh, uh, a lad had five loaves and two fish. And the question asked to Jesus was, but what are they among so many? What do you have? What do you have? Don't worry about what you have. God can handle it. God can use you with what you've got. Don't worry about how inadequate you may feel. And, and, and I, I'm assuming that is a reason for some people. I'm just not adequate. I'm, I'm not going to be really useful. I'm really going to be more of a hindrance if I try to help. No, you won't. No, if you're surrendered to him and you allow him to use you as he sees fit, you will be the only person that can do what you do for him. Um, he's just looking for willingness. Um, use what you've got. And then the last thing, and, and, and we'll, we'll finish tonight, is um, it, it, again, look at chapter 3, if you're in Judges still, uh, chapter 3, verse 31, at the very end, it says, and he also delivered Israel. So we've got him killing 600 Philistines. That's awesome. He was called into service, called into action. But, but what happened as a result of that? Shamgar became a judge in Israel. He's a, man, he's a man who continued to judge and he continued to lead and serve. And the Bible doesn't really say much more about what he did except for the result of what he did. And what was the result? He also delivered Israel. That's amazing. The man gets one verse dedicated to him in, in the actual story of what he did, one verse. And, and the result of what he did was to deliver the nation of Israel from their oppressors. What an amazing feat. Why is that? Well, go back to the first three points. Why, why did Shamgar deliver Israel? Because Shamgar didn't see himself as exempt from serving. He started where he was and, and served right where he was. And then he used what tools were available to him at the time because God knew what he had. God knew he had an ox code. God knew they had swords. Did not matter. He also delivered Israel. That's just so amazing. His willingness to be used where he was and with what he had. And, and I can say this without reservation, serving the Lord with your life, allowing God to use you and serving him with your life is the most rewarding and valuable thing that you can do. Doesn't matter what else you do. That is the most rewarding and valuable thing that you can do with your life. That's it. Ser allowing God to use you is the most valuable and rewarding thing that you can do. But it's not, and it, I mean for you personally, it's valuable and rewarding for you. It's a good thing for you, but you're not the only one who gets the results. You're not the only one who gets the benefits of your surrender and your service. It doesn't say in this that the nation of Israel turned against the Philistines and fought against them. It says he killed 600 and then he delivered Israel. They all received benefit from his surrender. Who would receive benefit from your surrender? Who, who in your life today is hindered from your lack of and who would benefit from your surrender? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Um, we saw the result of, of Philip and his work when he, when he uh, went to the Ethiopian eunuch and the man got saved. And, and history tells us that Ethiopian eunuch took the gospel to Ethiopia with him. 
in the gospel from the time of Stephen's stoning, from the time of Stephen's stoning, not, not from the time that an apostle went to Ethiopia, but from the time Stephen was stoned, and they say Matthew went to Ethiopia, from the time he was stoned, uh, and that Ethiopian eunuch went down back home, that's when the gospel started being spread in Ethiopia. How amazing is that? Just because just Philip said, all right, I'll go to the desert, even though I'm going to end up, he didn't know, even though I'm going to end up in Caesarea. Um, in, in Acts 4.13, in Acts 4.13, Peter is being questioned before the Sanhedrin with John, and it says that they perceived of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they had seen, they had been with Jesus. That was something that was noteworthy about that. They had been with Jesus. And then Peter makes a statement to him. He says, we cannot but speak of those things which we have seen and heard. We cannot help but be eyewitnesses to the things we've seen and heard. And then in Acts 17 and verse 6, the apostles, well, Paul and Silas, but the movement of the church was described as these who have turned the world upside down. It goes from the Sanhedrin questioning them, threatening them with beatings, actually beating them, Agrippa trying to kill Peter, an angel letting him go, and all of the story of Acts going up to chapter 17, and it says by that point, by that point, 13 chapters later, they've turned the world upside down. The gospel is effective because these people are choosing to serve. Um, And they've affected us today. Personally, each of us have been affected by the surrender that they had. It's really simple to hear. You're not exempt from serving. Start where you are. Use what you've got. It's real simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. However you feel God leading you to do something for him, just start where you are with what you've got. And as D.L. Moody said, the world is yet to see what God can do with one man fully surrendered to him. And then he finished with, by God's grace, I will be that man. And he was. He was a man that was fully surrendered. Here's a question for you before we close up. We're going to finish. Here's a question for you to, to consider. How is your level of surrender affecting these three areas? Your family? How is your, area, or your, your level of surrender affecting your church? And how is your level of surrender affecting the sphere of influence that you have personally in your life? Your, wh- wherever your level is, how is your level of surrender affecting your own personal family? How is it affecting your church? Are there things that South Valley Baptist Church could be more effective in if you were more surrendered? And then how is it affecting your sphere of influence? That one, that one hurts because that's, that, that's our job. My job is my sphere of influence. Your job is your sphere of influence. Those people in your circle that God has allowed in your life, that you can make a difference in their life if we were more surrendered to his call to serve him. And I'm being intentionally vague. I'm just, I'm being vague intentionally. I'm not going to say everybody in here needs to surrender to preach the gospel. Everybody in here needs to surrender to missions in the Congo. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying whatever area of service that God has for you, it might be a simple, just God saying, you're not doing anything in your church and you need to do something. It may just be something as simple as serving in the nursery. The one area of ministry where we beg people, uh, and babies are awesome when I'm not around them much. No, I, I, I've actually, Z broke me. I like babies now. He's just a good kid. Um, but like, 
it may be something as simple as that. It may be something that God's, God's been, I mean, there's teenagers in here. God's been, God's been nudging you for a while and saying, I want you to serve me. I, I want you to serve me with your life. He's, he's not saying you have to sign your life on the dotted line and he's going to ruin it. That's never going to happen. That's not how it works. God wants to use you in whatever way he's telling you. I'm not trying to put the thoughts in people's minds. I want the Holy Spirit to do that. But just think about that. Are you willing? Do you think you're exempt? You're not. And are you willing to start where you are with what you've got and just allow him to bring results from your surrendering to him and serving him? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given to us and for your word. I pray that you would bless us tonight. Um, <clears throat> help uh, the example of Shamgar to affect us. Um, help it to be something that we, um, we look at, we, we learn from, and then we, we just pick up our ox goat or whatever it is that you've given to us and we serve you. Um, help us to be willing to do that in Christ's name.